Ryan, before we get into the review, I wanted to do a different kind of intro this time. I wanted to ask, I was on Twitter a little while ago, this would have been maybe a week and a half ago, and I saw that you had retweeted this retweet of one of VeggieTales' Twitter posts. It was Archibald and um, (laughs) or Alfred and Larry looking at the uh, petunia, the flower, Yes, which was then replaced by the rumor weed, which was choking it, and the... The retweet was, did they just, and then I thought, wait, I, I don't, I don't get it. So I, I was wondering what, what did I, what am I missing here? <laughs> you don't know. Am I missing it? What is it? You, you are really missing it. Oh, it was tweet. It was tweeted on 420. So April 20th. Yes. Which Do you is- know what 420 means? No, I don't. Oh, so April 20th is weed day. Hello and welcome to AIO Audio Review News. I'm Lee. <laughs> Is that our intro? <laughs> what? Okay. Go ahead, Ryan. That's our intro. <laughs> what? I guess, I guess that's going to be the intro now. Maybe. We can redo it. Do you want to redo it? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a really weird intro to Odyssey. <laughs> it's a weird intro. Yeah, I think if we just... If we just don't draw that too much attention to it, mm, let me think about that. What am I willing to actually do on this show is my question. <laughs> um, so did you not know that? No, I didn't. I had no idea. And you said weed day. I thought, <laughs> okay, rumor weed? No? Yes? Wait, you're right. And so thought, oh, it's okay, funny. now so, I know. Yeah, it's, just, it's just funny because like, on that day, tons of people were just tweeting about like marijuana and stuff because like 420 it's like the number for marijuana okay or okay. something and so march or not march april 20th is the day that people are like ha ha i get it marijuana day right yeah and so VeggieTales tweets out clips all the time and they decided to tweet that clip out on that day and mm. A bunch of my friends who like watched VeggieTales growing up, they were like, "Oh my word, did they just make that reference?" I get it. Okay, okay, because I don't follow Twitter, I don't follow other things on Twitter, and I just saw that right. one tweet out of context. I thought, eh, okay. But the weird. thing I was yeah. I was thinking about, yeah, we we can include this. This is okay because we're now actually talking about it. Uh, neither of us condone the use of marijuana. At least I don't, um, <laughs> even recreationally or sometimes sometimes medicinally, but. Uh, I don't know what your stance is on it, Ryan. Might not be good. To my get into stance it is, my stance is with any substance. Like if you're a Christian, you need to not let things control you. Absolutely, that's what the Bible says. Yeah, and I think Paul has some some things where he talks about uh, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are good for me. That right? is. That is exactly what I'm referencing. Okay. So I think that there's probably way there are ways that you can use marijuana and not let it control you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as what I as far as what I'm comfortable with, I don't use it or like I don't like even with drinking, I don't do it a ton. Not because I think it's bad, but because I know what I can use to let things not control me. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. It does make sense. Anyway, let's try that in let's try the intro again. Welcome to AIO Audio Review News where we don't talk about veggie tales, but we talk about adventures and odyssey. I'm Lee. I'm Ryan. Uh, today, we are going to be reviewing <laughs> The Search for Wit, Part 2, which is episode 356, again, written by Paul McCusker, sound designed by Dave Arnold, music by John Campbell. Ryan, what are your initial thoughts about this one? 
This episode is the second part of a three-part series, and thus is the middle part, is mm-hmm. my thoughts. Correct. That, that is thoughts. <laughs> uh, there, I mean... <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot that I enjoyed in this episode, and I look forward to like talking about some different scenes and some funny things in them. Um, overall, it like it does a good job of progressing the story. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's key things in this episode that if you just listened to episode part one and three, you'd be completely lost. But at the same time, it's not like I, I guess there's nothing that's like mind blowing in this episode either. There are a lot of different questions that are raised and a lot of different possibilities put forth by the different characters in this episode. And I, I like that, that they go through, okay, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's this. And then at the end, we do have a bit of plot to get into. There are two spots that I want to talk about the plot. One is after the scene with Benjamin in the garage. And then the second is at the very end of the episode. And we'll take those times to discuss what has the plot been up to this point from the previous episode as well, because there is a lot and I'm still a little bit confused. I'm sure it'll be a lot clearer when we get to part three. Even after we get to part three, there's one thing that I think I noticed that makes no sense. You want to talk about it now then? No, we'll get to it later. Okay. All right. Write it down. Make sure we talk about it. I have. So um, scene one, the recap uh, from the broadcast version goes through clips of the previous episode and then ends with Alfred Brownlee saying this parchment contains the specific instructions on where Pacific I'm gonna skip his line because I can't quote it uh, and then we go I'm right to it. find the buried bones of Jesus it's not possible is what we get Eugene saying right after that and then this is what you wanted to talk about beforehand with Eugene do you want to uh, expound more upon it here Sure. I guess it just doesn't like it makes sense for Eugene's character if he's not smart for him to freak out about this. Mm-hmm. But he is smart. He knows uh, like so much because he's been in college since he was a teenager and he's like in his 20s now or something. And so it feels like Eugene be, like he has to have a problem with it for the episode to make sense and for there to actually be conflict, but it doesn't make sense because Eugene knows how archaeology works and everything and how, you know, even if you recover something from the past, that doesn't make it true. Mm -hmm. And even if you find bones, that doesn't mean they're Jesus's. I think I talked about that last one as well. That too. And that possibility isn't really brought up. Well, Wit does mention something later where he says he doesn't want Jason or Eugene to get kidnapped so that people can get their plan out of them or he doesn't want them to know where the the dig is so people can plant fake bones and i thought well what if that's actually what they are what what if right. they're actually yeah so <laughs> right. it's, it's even if bit... you found bones that totally could have happened just like thousands of years ago <laughs> yeah that's the uh that's the problem i think the one problem i have if that's if that were fixed then it would kind of make sense for eugene because even though he does have the head knowledge again it's still a matter of faith and being able to take what the gospels say and about Jesus resurrection by faith, even if there is an archeological find that seems to disprove it, which is what this episode is saying. Wit is saying, uh, what, what do we base our faith, whether it's on, um, new archeological, archeological discoveries or the Bible. And I like, I do like the moral, but is it really, it's not the most applicable here. Is it? I guess. What do you mean? Well, I mean, because there's that other possibility of, well, it could be fake. I, the characters don't really examine the possibility, well, they could be fake. They're just saying, well, if there are bones, then that means 
this, but in which saying, well, it doesn't have to mean this there, but faith can explain, or we can trust our faith. Or if there aren't bones, then whew, that was a close one and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I think. I maybe, think <laughs> maybe I'm I'm just trying to trying to explain it here. What do you, what did you make, of the what do you make of the moral? It's kind of hinted at here. It's more brought out in part three, of oh, well, I th- of the that, yeah. the moral of part three. Like it's interesting because the moral isn't really we hold on to our faith because the search for wit actually focuses more around the idea of deception. Mm-hmm. And they like keep hammering that theme back forward. So like you've got the deception of the people who, the, you know, wit and the crew are fighting against the deception of them against each other. So like, not only are they deceiving wit, Eugene and Jason, but then they end up deceiving each other and they deceive the terrorist organizations. And there's like, is right. this a triple is this a triple back? <laughs> I've lost stab? count. I don't, I, I've lost count. <laughs> and then on top of that, when they finally get all the uh, documents, they find out that they were in fact a deception as well. Yeah. And and so like the it's trying to like explore the ideas of deception and why it's bad. I feel is what the moral is. Not necessarily we have to hold on to faith. Isn't it that sort of seems like like that sort of seems like a sub moral the episode yeah for eugene it's especially brought out i think for jason it's more the deception side and he sees he's also seeing Mm -hmm. how the agency really operated and how deceptive they really were now that he's been in the small town field of odyssey and not been around that kind of deception for a while he can see oh this is actually different than i remembered it to be or this is maybe not different than that i remembered it to be well i think it's not necessarily that he that they're different but that if he ever had, like when he was in the agency, if he ever had to choose between towing the line of the agency and protecting someone, he would choose protecting someone he loves. Whereas it feels like Tasha's going with the agency against the person she loves. Right. And he's, Jason throughout this episode is equating Tasha with the agency in a way, asking asking mm-hmm. her, do you even know the difference between good good, good guys and the bad guys anymore? She's saying, no, I, I just, I mean, I do, but I'm just following orders. And right. that's the tension we get there. It is a lot. Is it a lot? It is a lot to cover. And we'll cover it again at the end of part three, maybe at the end of this. End of, yeah, I can't talk today. At the end of this one. Um, I was listening, though, to an interview by the host of, I, th- I think her name's Rose. I think the host of, and if I got that wrong, let me know. Sorry. Of the um, <laughs> Odyssey Moments podcast. And okay. she was doing an interview with her, the one who did the art for her logo. And she is on the autism spectrum, the girl she was interviewing. And she was talking about how she listened to Eugene. And she thought that he might also be on the autism spectrum. Uh, maybe Asperger's or something like that. Like it's it interesting. One of the writers on the AIO wiki put that on there. It might be. And that I thought might be a little bit brought out here. I don't know what I think about it, but if Eugene was obsessing about something, this would definitely be something to obsess about because he freaks out at the beginning thinking, no, there's, there's no way the faith of millions would be shattered. If, if this, if this happened and Jason's saying, no, let's remain cool and collected Eugene. It's okay. And then he later on when, uh, I don't know, just a couple, a couple things when Eugene is talking to Jason that I noticed I don't I don't completely know, but that's 
I just thought I'd bring that up here. That is that is interesting. I never considered that possibility. Mm-hmm. But if that's like if that's an aspect of autism is that like it ends up like you you kind of end up getting obsessive over certain like or not obsessive but like focused, laser focused on like one thing. Mhm. Like that? Yeah. Then that would explain a lot of his relationship with Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> it would. It really would. And his jet lag, like how he can't remember. Right, Katrina's, Katrina's like, I don't know what to think. I think this need, this means we need to break up. And it's like, no, Katrina, you're just being rude towards the autistic dude. <laughs> Turns out Katrina's actually a terrible person. <laughs> and it's it's her fault instead of Eugene's, or I forget the context. It's her fault. It's all, well, no, it's not her fault. She's just being insensitive to his... Oh, <laughs> so there's a multi-parter coming up about Eugene and Katrina. And yes. maybe it's like Eugene finally gets a test and he realizes he's on the autism spectrum. And Katrina's like, oh, Eugene, <laughs> remember that time when I thought you were jet lagged? Oh, I'm so sorry. And Eugene's like, no, I'm still a mentally capable and competent human being. She's like, it's okay. And so going through. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. She's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> and Eugene's like, okay. And Connie is just like not helping. She's like. You know, I don't I don't know that I want this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um back to the scene 1. Eugene says, "If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, didn't rise from the dead, not raise from the dead." Yes. Whatever. Yeah. Uh but rise, the crew rise. decides that they're going to you're going to say something? No. Okay. The crew decides Sorry. they're going to go to the Aharoni dig where Wit supposedly found the parchment. We find out in part 3 that he actually found it at a, another another dig, but anyway, they head there and Jason asks Alfred Brownlee if he can shake anyone off of them who is trying to follow them. Shift to scene two where Alfred is driving them to the dig and uh, Jason says, well, if there was anyone trying to follow us, you lost them. (laughs) Alfred is the one who's following them. And he's in the (laughs) car with them. Uh, He says... Ooh. uh, Yeah, they should have... Like, it doesn't make sense that they don't put things together a little bit sooner. Right. I mean, because, because, again, because Alfred knows so much. Right. He knows so much, and on top of that, if they if they lost anyone that was following them, then when Benjamin shows up and kidnaps them, the first thing they should be like is like, oh, well, we have an informant. They need to pull a jellyfish and be like, you've got a spy. What? <laughs> Someone uh, on your team's been ratting on you, telling them all your plans. How do you know that? How don't you know that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Rodney Ethan Daniels. Ah, so I'm Rodney Ethan Daniels. (laughs) Oh, that's Uh, a scary mashup. (laughs) Ouch. So Alfred does say that there might be the possibility of somebody already stationed at the site. He's saying that because he knows Benjamin's there. He's just trying to preclude the possibility of anybody like Jason saying, huh? So there was somebody who followed us. Uh, I think that might be. I guess. I I don't know. Uh, But I'm guessing he is referring to Benjamin. Um, even though Benjamin is a security guard or supposed to be the security guard. And as far as we know, Alfred is innocent from the listener's perspective at this point. If you aren't piecing the clues together, then Benjamin is just another guy who all of a sudden turned. But um, if Alfred is, since Alfred is, and this is the part of the plot I don't fully get, but we'll talk about it uh, in a, a scene or two. Sound good? Yeah. Anyway, so this is where part one on the album version of the and the club ends. 
and then scene three picks up uh on the album version right here with jason kicking the door down and it's good sound design and then alfred says i could have used my key (laughs) okay uh they go through wit's trailer and eugene says it's really messy in here either wit's organizational skills have lapsed since he last knew him or somebody's been there and jason's like yeah that's obviously it um alfred says there are 15 to 20 archaeologists and students who are encamped nearby the dig and they're farther away because wit just wanted privacy 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 that is not how you say that word but whatever well eugene says it that way i don't care he (laughs) says it wrong (laughs) um they find a needlepoint by Jana, and it's rather random but i like how unlike in other episodes where there's a random thing just dropped into the beginning of the episode and we're supposed to remember that thing all throughout the rest of the episode like in out of her element have you heard that one yes Okay, where the the thing about the girl who wears the uh like she paints her nails and she has nail polish remover. Oh and yeah, we're expected to remember that. Into... Yeah, right. It, whereas in this one, the the thing, the factoid is introduced the scene immediately before it's used. And... Which I think I like that better. It's it's not like. Uh, like I feel like when you introduce it at the beginning and then you introduce it at the end, it's like it's like that dumb joke, the as I was going to St. Ives thing. Oh yeah, you know I tried and to use like, that. I tried to use that on one of my friends, and it did not work at all. It was, <laughs> yeah, it, it's and it's you get to the end of the joke and you thought, wait, so it wasn't a logic game; it was just a, just a gotcha from the very beginning. Whereas this right. one, this one, you it's fresh in your memory. And uh-huh. also it gives Jason a reason to remember it because he's thinking of the needle point, mm-hmm. uh, which I, which I appreciate. Um, we get a reference to Jana Whitaker who wrote it for wit or who made it for wit. I guess. Did she make it for him before he went on the, on the dig or something? I don't know. Who knows? He probably just had it maybe. Yeah. to remember her by, which I think is nice that he's still staying in touch that way, or at least he's remembering. And, Eugene says, "Oh, I see. It's an acronym." And Alfred says, "I thought he was. I thought he said it was needlepoint." <laughs> yeah. no. I I am I am perplexed by all the adults in, in this episode who have no idea what an acronym is. <laughs> yeah, Jason asked Benjamin, ever like, heard of I'm so smart. I know what an acronym is." And everyone else is like, "I've never heard of a government agency that uses words to form another name." <laughs> That isn't part of my life at all. <laughs> they just call it the agency because they don't know how to make acronyms. <laughs> TA418. I've never heard of like the FBI or anything. <laughs> What's that? And Jason asks Benjamin, ever heard of an acronym? No. No, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I'm Middle Eastern. I don't know what an acronym is. <laughs> uh, Eugene mentions that Connie had plastered the freezer at wit's end with magnets just like the needlepoint with acronyms which i think is funny that's she, why he knows yeah that's where she had to put all the bumper stickers from her mom's car after the <laughs> evangelism incident put them on the freezer and eugene's like kind of where'd all these bumper stickers come from and she's like you'll never know okay <laughs> <laughs> so they're looking around they think eh, there's probably not much here it's just a bunch of garbage let's go and then benjamin is right outside the door He's saying, "Don't everybody move! Don't anybody move a muscle! Don't everybody move a muscle!" That's that's a good one. <laughs> uh, he's Phil Lawler. Uh, what? Yes, yes. Did you know that? I didn't know this. Yes, I did not know this. He is. You can barely hear it in his voice. It's 
pretty cool. I like how Phil Lawler has such a great range of voices. I think this is the first voice he's done in these episodes that we've been reviewing. I don't think that we've heard him cool. on one of these before. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy appearing in Paul McCusker's episode, which is funny. I don't know if he was just filling in for another actor or Paul McCusker just said, hey, Phil, you'd be great in this role. And he just took the role up. But hey, Phil, do your Middle Eastern anxious kid voice. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how's this? Oh, that's perfect. Let's use you in another episode. He's like, no, I don't want to do this again. And uh, But anyway, <laughs> um, he's Benjamin is a security guard for the dig. He's carrying a gun and telling everybody, basically, get your hands up. Mr. Whitaker, Jason, whatever. Come come with me. And <laughs> um, Here's the part where the plot starts to make not making entirely a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the, be- the end of part one. Alfred rely- arrives at the airport. He sees that Eugene and Jason are there, goes to talk to him. And Alfred is with Eugene and Jason the whole time from that moment to where they get to Witt's trailer and are accosted by Benjamin. Benjamin is there and knows who Jason Whitaker is. Says Jason Whitaker or calls him Mr. Whitaker. So question i have is how did he know where did he get his information um from well the the idea is that he's working with the symposium or whatever right who Um, are supposedly following so if they're following then they would know who jason is but then eventually it's revealed that these guys are working for themselves so my guess is that um alfred brownlee probably sent Benjamin to take Jason hostage and just get whatever he could out of them, which that's where in my mind, it doesn't make sense because if Benjamin is technically working for Alfred and, um, Oh, what's the other dude's name? Dr. Charles. No, professor Stephen Charles, not doctor. So, so Stephen Charles and Alfred Brownlee are both working together and Benjamin is working with, with them, but specifically with Charles yeah. If that's the case, then why not just say, okay, Alfred, you ask them since you have them in your confidences. Right? Mm. Like, yeah, why do we need to kidnap they, him? They told him the message anyway. Jason said, oh, maybe we should ask Alfred about, or Eugene said, maybe we can ask Alfred about how I do is nothing great. That's the message. But so, then, yeah. 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 I don't know. But like, I think, doesn't he say the message? And then Jason is like, yes, but you don't want to hear about it. You don't want to get into this mess. Yeah. Or And so maybe Alfred is like, oh, he's like, okay, I got to go make a call. Benjamin, kidnap them. They don't want to tell me. I don't know. I think that I'm trying to think about the, the, the order here. And I don't think that Alfred would have had time to place a call in between. Probably not. No. So here's what I'm guessing. So back back in part one where Jason called Alfred, he called and talked about the Q document and about Wit. And this in scene one, they get the tape. So Jason knows about it in scene one. I'm guessing he probably told Alfred about it in way back in, in scene, like whatever the scene that was when he called him. Do you – that would have been, I think, scene three of part one. Okay. And I don't know if he said then that he was going to the Middle East or not. But he would have had to call Alfred 
to tell them that they'd be there to have him pick them up. Right. So Alfred knew before or when Jason and Eugene arrived at the airport that they had the tape, that they were coming to find Wit and figured this whole thing out, and that they knew about the Q document, and that there was a message on – there was specifically a message on the tape. And from that, I think Alfred said, well, they might not tell me what the message is, so let's see if we can force it out of them. Or Alfred's actually not working with Benjamin, which I think is another possibility that while Alfred knows that Benjamin is kind of on the same side as him and Charles, he's more working for Charles. And so he is legitimately surprised when Benjamin shows up. Like he maybe he's thinking, hey, I was going to. Yeah. He's surprised, and then he calls Charles later, and he's like, dude, you zicked Benjamin on me. He's like, yeah, I thought that we'd need to get the information. He's like, I have the information. Oh. <laughs> and also, it does uh, it does kind of excuse Alfred in Eugene and Jason's minds. It's kind of... I suppose that's, too, that's true, too. Yeah, it, it makes him seem more innocent because he was... They took his car. They've taken my car! And how did we get out of the dig? I just walked or took a taxi, I'm guessing. But Maybe. but but from the dig? Yeah. If it's so remote yeah. and privet <laughs> Privet drive. <laughs> <laughs> they just stole Wit's trailer. I don't know. <laughs> just drive the trip. <laughs> I don't think it works like that, Ryan. It totally works like that. It has wheels. Uh, um, you push all <laughs> <laughs> that's even worse than just walking back anyway <laughs> so Benjamin does have a line where he's talking to Alfred and he says sorry Mr. Brownlee but I got a better offer and then he, maybe... I love this line he's like your mother would be very disappointed wouldn't be the first time <laughs> <laughs> why what is that supposed to mean I guess that he's just the black sheep of the family or something. Oh, well, okay, poor guy. I feel bad for Which him. Which makes now. sense. If you're if, fun fact, if you're the black sheep in a family, that's the first step in a lifelong life of crime following your successful security guard career. Mm, and that's very very unfortunate for the one person who that applies to in the entire <laughs> length of adventures. <laughs> let's let's move on. You ready? Yes. Okay. So scene four, they've taken my car. Uh, Benjamin and Jason go to this garage. And I'm guessing it's a garage because Jason's saying, nice hideout. And then something about if I ever want to I need to come in up. for a lube job. Yeah. 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 And um, Benjamin has a gun like pointed at Jason, asking him to sit down in the chair. Jason's like, okay, sure. Um, Benjamin asks where the parchment is. Jason's like, I don't know. Why don't you ask my dad? Maybe we have. Maybe he's unable to tell us. What? And then this is what really... So Jason goes through three different phases here. The first one, or maybe two. The first one at the beginning of the scene, he's saying, sure, I don't know what's going on, but you got nothing on me. And then all of a sudden, what? You're going to hurt my dad? And then all of a sudden, at, after that, oh, man, I'm Mr. Super Duper Macho, man. You can't... You don't... <laughs> you don't scare me. And Benjamin is like, well, we should. We're threatening to hurt your dad. And he, so... Um, Jason is a little bit concerned and he, he has a bit of sarcastic interplay with, with Benjamin where, um, Benjamin again knows about the tape. He's asking what the message was. Tell us his exact wording, please. And, uh, Jason saying, look, I, if you have my, my dad, then, uh, I'm not going to cooperate with you. And 
Benjamin's saying, well, it'd be better for it if you do. Just tell us. And Fizz says, us? Why, do you have a mouse in your pocket or are you just schizophrenic? And then realizes, oh, wait, we're being watched. My dad is using that line on occasion, which I I find funny. I don't what? know why. What? Uh, the, the, you, have, you have a mouse, the in, your mouse in the pocket thing? Yeah. That's funny. Uh, anyway, so he's, he realizes, oh, yeah, we're being watched. So there's more people behind this, which I guess makes sense if Benjamin is, as far as Jason knows, working for as far as Jason knows, is working for symposium or first things, and sure, they're being watched. And then Jason says the acronym, it makes no s- sense, and he gets it. And this is where Benjamin's saying, it must be some kind of code. What is it? It means you don't have my father. And this is the point where <laughs> J- where Jason picks Benjamin up like a volleyball and spikes him over the net. Because- <laughs> <laughs> That's just the idea that I got when I... <laughs> I heard this. He's like, nope. <laughs> and he's just like, if you're gonna shoot me, then do it. That that he didn't go far enough. That's what he should have done. He should have like gone up to Benjamin and been like, if you're gonna shoot me, then do it. And then just grabbed the gun and be like, now you tell me what you know. <laughs> I would have loved that. And Benjamin's just cowering in the corner, whimpering. <laughs> like, show me the money. Show now. me the money. No. Um, but that was, uh, so, so Jason figures out, basically figures out Wit is hiding. If he's hiding, then no one has him because Wit's really good at hide and seek, which he knows that, from his childhood. That's um, a little like that. I found that kind of sad because he's like, we spend weeks looking for him. So what? Your dad just got in the car and drove away for three weeks whenever you asked to play hide and seek. I, my idea of this is that they would play a game of hide and seek. And then they would have maybe a truce after a couple of hours of playing the game and say, okay, well, we'll go to the bedroom and you can come out. And then Wit would come out and say, hi, so you didn't find me. And then the next day they resume their game and Wit goes back to hiding. Like he gets a head start, goes back to the hiding spot and they can't find him. Oh, so weeks playing the game until they finally were like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. And they just said, okay, I, I give up. Wait, where are you? He's like, ah, yeah, that's I the was secret. A- all I could imagine was Wit hiding for a legit week or two. And he's just like somewhere in the basement in a secret compartment cupboard with rations to last for a while. He's just working and he just on calls and he's like, I He's like, I'm, I'm going to need to call off work. Can I work remotely for a little bit? And they're saying, what? Why can't you come in? Well, it's sort of a family emergency. I'm, I'm hiding. <laughs> How I do is nothing great. And they're like, ah. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, so, uh, Jason has a line where uh, he says that Wit's recording this message tells us that nobody does because he is nobody has him kidnapped because he is more clever than all of us. Yeah, but not clever enough to decipher a simple recording. That's uh, <laughs> only yeah. I'm I'm gonna stop harping on that now. Um, We're just gonna mention that. Uh, <laughs> not clever more... enough to use the voice picture. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, um, he, Jason has one more line with Benjamin where Benjamin says, get back here, Jason, Mr. Whitaker. Stop, come back here. And then he, Jason leaves and says that he's going to be <laughs> Jason, taking, the, taking the car. <laughs> Jason leaves and like press, pulls a detonator out of his jacket and blows <laughs> up the place as he puts sunglasses on. I know, just walk, his, his, uh, his suit Slow goes Mo flapping walk. in the wind and Benjamin's like running out with his hands on his head like, Mr. Ah! Whitaker, boom! <laughs> that looks so... I, I'm thinking of the, the poster for the new Men in Black movie. You know that with the sunglasses? Yes. I don't yes. know why I'm thinking of that. That's um, the image I was thinking of, pretty much. 
so then um we get a weird flip-flop right here where um benjamin puts it on his foot no not a flip-flop why did i say flip-flop <laughs> um so we um what i was saying here is that benjamin is frustrated oh we we lost him and then we hear a voice come over the speakers which i thought was so weird when i was younger and hearing this because i had i would just be listening casually to odyssey and i thought what's that is that an alien what is that and then i didn't i didn't realize talking to an alien (laughs) (laughs) which didn't make sense with it did sound really weird yes and it's very good voice masking i cannot hear charles at all in there and if i tried to modulate the audio it would modulate the higher pitches along with the lower frequencies, so I wouldn't be able to isolate just Charles's voice, which is what should have been done in a sacrificial escape. Mm -hmm. But it probably, I think they probably didn't do it because it would have made it sound less, you wouldn't be able to hear the malicious intent in the voice as well. Mm -hmm. Which is a lot of Atticus Schaefer's delivery in that because he's so good as an actor in Mm -hmm. that episode with how he comes across. And it would be lost. And here it works just because it's one line. Mm-hmm. And right here, my question is, Charles is in one other scene in this episode. And I mentioned the high anticipation of these episodes. Last one, and you said, well, I don't know, because I wasn't, uh, I think, were you alive back then? I think you were, right? No, wait. When you, When what? This was 97. You are born in 98, yeah, right? I was born in 97. Oh, okay. Like d- late 97? So- Early in 97. Oh, okay. So, yes, you would have been one. So, it wouldn't even matter. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, the anticip- the high anticipation of, or not one, but, like, less than one. Anyway, the high anticipation of this episode, I'm guessing that whoever was listening to this episode would have heard Charles's voice on the recording. Because it's not that distinctive a voice, but they would have heard the recording or heard the, the masking. And no, right. well, the, well, not masking. I'm stumbling over my words. When Benjamin is talking to Charles, if Charles's voice wasn't masked, they would have heard that and thought, hmm, that sounds like Charles. Maybe Charles is working with Benjamin. Um, and that would have been a spoiler for part three. So they put the yep. masking on there. Um, all that to say, sure, I, I guess it works. The one thing I don't understand is if Benjamin was so frustrated and wanted to make sure that Mr. Whitaker stayed, why didn't he just go out, shoot the wheels of the shoot two wheels of the car and say, you're not going anywhere because he doesn't care because there's not anything he's going to get out of Jason. I, and he knows that. And that, that's, True. that is a good point. So why is he frustrated? Also good point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, maybe because I don't know. I don't know. He probably just didn't. He probably thought, you know, I'm not going to get anything out of him anyway. He's not going to tell me anything, even if we keep him here, which is, uh, again, what Charles says when he says, calm down, Benjamin, don't worry. Just come back into the control room where they're going to talk about, okay, what's, what are we going to do now? Because no, we're going to do. And then their next plan is to get Eugene, which is what Charles does. Later on in the episode, he corners Eugene, uh, basically corners Eugene because he's been following him, as Wit says, and asks him about John Whitaker. And presumably, Eugene doesn't give up any information. Maybe he just plays dumb. Right. Uh, just we'll get like, to- oh, absolutely. <laughs> just gives, says, hey, I just I'll met Mr. Whitaker. Busted. He was on the elevator. <laughs> and Charles is like, what? And goes back down and gets Wit. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Let's go on. Ready? Yes. Scene five is something I thought interesting. 
Jason's eating a late breakfast, but did he, so did they spent, how long did you say it was? 14 hours on the plane? I guess. Maybe. And if it's 14 hours, they touch down in Tel Aviv. It's early morning. They head to the dig. Jason gets kidnapped. Jason gets released and goes back to the hotel. It's late morning. He's eating a late breakfast. Jason has been actually up for a significant amount of time. <laughs> Jason has been up for like 20 hours at this point, And he's like, I'm eating a late breakfast. And then, <laughs> well, actually, maybe he went back, took a nap. And while they're doing this, Eugene and Alfred are just like freaking out, contacting the police, walking home, etc. <laughs> and then he finally wakes up, has breakfast at like lunchtime. And... They find Jason, maybe, maybe. Ma- maybe? I don't I, know. I like the I like the option that Jason is just awake for like twenty four <laughs> straight hours throughout this entire episode. That's more funny to me. <laughs> I do, and the fact that he's able to like keep everything mostly. That's, well, no, he doesn't. He kind of he's that, kind of frustrated. Yeah, that's why he's messing up his relationship. the The gist of all this episode, all these albums, is to say if you travel to the Middle East <laughs> and you have a jet lag experience don't try to make any decisions about your marital relationships especially if you have asperger's and your name is eugene meltzner (laughs) (laughs) so katrina's like eugene are you jet lagged yes okay everything's all right no it's not all right if you have jet lag if you experience any of these symptoms don't talk to your significant other within two hours of or with stop (laughs) it get some help and you is never wake. <laughs> <laughs> never wake! <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the point where, um, so Eugene comes in, he's saying, what, what happened, Jason? Last I saw you were kidnapped by a man with a gun! And Jason's saying, Eugene, calm down, just sit down, have some breakfast with me. And Eugene's like, okay. And, what, <laughs> and then oh, he's forced to have his breakfast in the bathroom. Yes, <laughs> because Tasha shows up. And uh, I want to bring up something right before this. So two things. One, did Benjamin just leave the keys in the car? And that's how Jason took the car back? Um, I guess Benjamin did. That makes okay. sense. I, I guess. Well, actually, weren't the keys in the car when Benjamin took it in the first place, too? Because it's not like Benjamin was like, or did Benjamin say, give me the keys to the car? I vaguely remember him saying that, but I don't think he did so i guess the, the, in the middle east you just leave your keys in the ignition <laughs> <laughs> or on the seat or in the cup holder or something like that i don't know i don't know maybe it's just off screen we missed that line uh but in any case Jay, maybe just jason just hot wear in the car yeah that seems know. like the sort of thing he would do anyway as so as the explosion goes off <laughs> he's just driving the car it's a convertible his hair is slapping behind him this scene just gets better as i'm thinking about it. okay we need some fan art do it people do it do it do it so um maybe wit is watching them at that moment uh is the the vibe i get that all throughout the episode wit is watching jason and eugene and he's also watching the people who are following jason and eugene so, that's just an interesting thought I had. Which... Watching you, Mazowski. Always watching. Ugh. <laughs> Roz. <laughs> uh, so then, <laughs> Tasha shows up out of nowhere, and she's in the Middle East now. Last we heard from her, she was back in 
was she back in Chicago? I think. Yeah. Some. It was Chicago. Because the hotel no, room wait. was bugged. Yes, that's right. Right. So then, she's been awake for fourteen hours. No, she could have slept on the plane, but yeah, she also took a plane trip. True. 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 I mean, she's probably more. She's probably more awake than Jason is. Uh, but then, yeah, Eugene gets kicked out and goes to the bathroom to eat his breakfast. And I guess he's just munching it on the elevator all the way yeah, up. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I never imagined. Like, it sounds like he's empty-handed because he's, like, fumbling for change and stuff. But I, I love this scene even more when I imagine he's just got a bowl of Lucky Charms in one, <laughs> hour, one, one hand. And he's doing everything else with the other. And then the elevator gets stopped and it's, like, sloshing around. He's like, no, whoa, whoa, you want my wallet? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives Mr. Whitaker a hug later on. He's, he's like setting, setting down <laughs> he's the floor. He's just like holding okay. the Lucky with Charms elevated above Wit's head. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Eugene leaves and Jason is eating locks and bagels. And Tasha sits down and says, hey, I have security clearance to tell you stuff now. And Jason's like, okay, cool. Uh, but he's not really sure what's – he's a little suspicious at this point. He's not sure exactly what Tasha's intent is. Tasha has this line where Jason is frustrated. I forget the context, but Tasha says, you know how the game is played. Just because you left doesn't mean the rules have changed for the rest of us. Which is, um, I think, a, a clever clever line. Nice job, Paul McCusker. Mm-hmm. And then they, they start talking. We, we pick up the rest of that conversation in a minute. Let me just jump there. Is that okay? And I'll go back to the in-between scene with Wit and Eugene yeah. and the other. Yeah, we can okay. do that. Yeah, so, let's do that. Tasha lays out the backstory and the plot, which is okay exposition because Jason doesn't know it again. Um, Tasha's it's saying, still, this is what doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, this scene? This scene. Like, we'll, we'll go through it, and then I'll explain why it makes no sense. Okay. So let's let's go then. So Tasha says so, that when Wit took over the archaeological dig, this was back in Gone in album twenty one. The agency contacted Wit because they had previously known him through TA four one eight about stopping illegal export of valuable archaeological treasures in the Middle East, specifically in Israel. Wit agreed, and they came up with a scheme to fool the bootleggers and those who were exporting illegally um, to fake a document like the Q document to draw out the bootleggers. And so, as far as Wit knew, the scheme the whole time was to get a document that would get the people who are trying to export the archaeological treasures. So, at this point, we have three different groups up, in, up until this line that Tasha says. We have the Symposium, who want to, um, like, they want to, pro- on the front, they want to protect scripture, but... Otherwise, they're psychopathic terrorists. And then First Things, which want to use the uh, biblical findings and archaeology to discredit the Bible. And then you have the bootleggers, which just want to make money. Right. So then Tasha says, well, no, the agency actually lied to it by saying that there were no bootleggers. They were just the leaders of Symposium and First Things who they wanted to draw out. And who are dangerous and may kill Wit to get what they want. And the Israeli government has been looking uh, to catch them for several years now. And what are what are your thoughts about this? It sounds very like the part that confuses me is that Wit knows about the agency and everything, 
and yet they he also actually found something. And Wit never talks about his like correlation with the agency. As far as like if all you went off of was what Wit talks about, he found a document and people want it. He yeah. never talks about it like we're trying to catch these guys or we're trying to whatever. It's always like we're trying to just find this thing without letting anyone know about it. And we're also not trying to catch anybody. Mm-hmm. And so like Tasha's story doesn't line up with what Wit ev- actually does. And so my question is, did he actually find something and just like forget to tell the agency? Oh, by the way, this isn't the thing that we're trying to do. Just so you know, I'm thinking he like, knows. I'm thinking he's no. He knows that the agency is pulling one over on him, because Wit says oh. later on, "I've been following the people who have been following you, Eugene and Jason, who have been trying to get back to me." So he knows that symposium and first things, namely Charles and Benjamin and Alfred, are following Eugene and Jason. And he knows that they're not bootleggers. He knows what they're what they really want to do, and so to that effect, he would know that the agency had double crossed him. Is, does that make sense? Well, did the agency actually double cross him? Like, yeah. How be- did they? How did they do that? Well, they I'm said, still trying to figure that out. So they contacted Wit, saying, "Hey, while you're in the Middle East, um, <clears throat> there are these these bootleggers who are doing bad stuff. You wanna fake a document, and we can use it." And Wit's like, oh, sure. And then on the day that he's going to present them the document, he finds the Q parchment. And it just so happens that that was the perfect document to draw out the, the bootleggers and stuff like that. So Tasha thinks, oh, hey, so we're going to – the bootleggers are going to be attracted to this. And then she says that she only found about found out this about the symposium first things just a couple of days ago. And Wit has been in hiding for a couple of days, I guess. Um, so this plan had been going on and Tasha had been under, under the impression that it was the bootleggers they were trying to draw out. And so then Tasha realizes, oh wait, no, it was actually Symposium and First Things. Wit also realizes that. I think that the, the idea of drawing out the bootleggers, because Jason really laughs about it. He's thinking, this this is crazy. This is a ridiculous plot. This, like, this, this (laughs) is of no real significance to Wit, uh, or that's not. Uh, it's, he's not in any real danger. Wit probably didn't put a lot of emphasis on it either. But realizing that, I guess when he he was in the Middle East, found the Q document, went back, talked to Charles about it, went back to the Middle East, realized that Charles was following him. Or realized that he didn't trust Charles. So realizing mm-hmm. that, knowing that there were other people who were following him, I don't even think he cares about the people who were called Symposium and First Things. I think he just is worried about Charles. I think he's worried about the other people who want to get it, no matter who they are, whether bootleggers or otherwise. That's why he doesn't bring it up, because it's not, it's not really of any importance to him. But Tasha brings it up because that's why Tasha's involved. The, the whole reason Tasha's there is because she's representing the agency, who also has an interest in finding Wit, to kind of, I guess, protect him from, from this. Because now that he's in hiding, they don't know where he is, and they want to, um, I guess, be able to help him stay safe does that kind of make sense i think if all that i said just makes sense maybe uh, maybe maybe it's it's a little rocky it's like a very confusing thing because i don't get where the i guess the double crossing on the agency's part is because if you're trying to catch bootleggers obviously 
the leaders of the bootleggers also counts. Yeah, but they're not bootleggers. Charles and uh, and Alfred aren't bootleggers. They're different groups. Well, but Tasha actually says, the, I, we thought that it was to catch the bootleggers, but it's actually to catch the leaders of the bootleggers. No. That, isn't that her line? No, her line is, it's we thought it was to catch the bootleggers, but it's actually the leaders of the Symposium and First Things. Symposium and First Things aren't bootleggers. They aren't illegally mm. exporting valuable archaeological treasures, which is what the definition of the bootleggers is. Symposium has a goal... First things has a goal. We've laid out those goals. Do you remember what they are? Right. Yeah. You... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So the I guess bootleg... I thought. Yeah. Hmm. I guess I thought they were connected somehow. Never mind. Ignore me. Okay. So we're all we're all good then. Jason is upset at Tasha, and we go out on the scene where Tasha's saying they'll kill him to get what they want, or they'll do anything to get what they want. And going back to the previous scene, Eugene's happy-go-lucky. He's got his bowl of cereal, walking to the elevator. How I do is nothing great. How I do is nothing great. Hiding. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plane. <laughs> then he, get, he's, he gets on the elevator, and Wit's there. Uh, Hold that door, young man. And then I love his accent. I can't do it, but it's, it's so a, funny. It's you a pretty a, good one. An, an American? Is it true what I hear that in America, everyone has a lot of money? <laughs> and then um, they're going the, up the elevator, and... Um, Eugene says, oh, you sure I can spare you some change? I don't want your change. I want your wallet. And then Wit stops the elevator. So, like, he he takes a crowbar, sticks it in between the doors of the elevator, and jams <laughs> it. Like, how do you stop an elevator? There are stop, there are stop buttons. Are there stop buttons? I have never yeah. seen a stop button on an elevator. I think, yeah, it's... The same as like in Darkness Before the Dawn. Yes. They stop the elevator with Rodney. I guess. uh, Yeah. Like there's some buttons. It's just like a stop. I think. I think I've seen those. In elevators. I might be like overthinking it now. I've seen a keyhole. Like a key where you can put in a key that goes from run to stop. Or uh, a help button that you can push to get firefighters help if you're stuck in the elevator. I've never seen a stop button though. I know there's an emergency stop button. Is there? Really? Yes. It's well. So like I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Please do. Ele- like uh, I've got a picture. It's like a stop button. It's a big red button, like for an imagination station. And it says stop, but I don't know since it's an emergency stop button. I don't know if it would alert someone if you pressed it or not. That's also kind of what I'm getting. Like, say there is a stop button. Sure. Say that's right. Would it allow them to resume? Like to just um, well, so the one I'm looking at says push to stop, pull to run. So I yes, have... you could you could turn it back on. So there's an elevator at my at my work uh, that we used to get from the first floor to the second floor of the uh, like the associate area, and yeah, I can I can check that elevator next time I'm there just to see if there is a button. Um, I will we'll, I'll get back to you in the next up the next review about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, what stops the elevator? Eugene doesn't realize that's Wit. He's saying, you robbed me on the elevator? What is this? And so um, Wit says that he wants Eugene. He just, he's just asking for Eugene's wallet. And he describes the wallet to Eugene. And Eugene takes a second to actually realize what it is. Because he's still after Wit finishes the line and gives Eugene enough time to think, wait, that's kind of weird how you know what my wallet is. Eugene's still like, but of course. But, 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 wait, how, how do you know? know that I have a wallet that I made a vest for? You made a vest for? <laughs> I made a vest for my wallet. I have a vested what? interest in my saving. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Anyway. 
uh, it, um, I mean, making a dumb joke. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a pun that you, you reversed it. You have a vested interest in it. Yes. Yeah. But, like, no. it, it just is amusing to me, the thought that Eugene, because he likes vests, would make a vest for his his wallet. <laughs> a vest to match the wallet. A, a black leather vest. To me- oh, does that work? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Paul Hurtlinger. Uh, plays wit in this one. His first, second episode. He was wit in the last one. Um, snaps out of the uh weird voice and goes into wit's voice. And this is the best. I think this is the, one of the best scenes of the episode, where um you have Eugene's stunned reaction that it's wit, and um wit just sounds so so great. It's so awesome to hear him again. And the music is great, fading out of the scene. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the reaction from Will Ryan is genuine here, or do you think that it's just him being a good actor? Um, the reaction of him like saying it's so good to see you. Yeah, or Mr. Whitaker specifically that line. I th- realizing it's, I think it's, it's, it's probably good acting. Yeah, because I mean, I, he's not surprised. He's read the script. Yeah, well, maybe not. Sometimes he doesn't read ahead in the script. Right. I know that when. With the Katrina line in yes. um, the Turning Point, um, that was real, but I don't think mm-hmm. this one is as real. Mm-hmm. But I like it. And next one, great. So I want to draw a parallel right, or a, a difference right here, uh, between Wit's reunion with Eugene and Wit's reunion with Jason. Eugene is so glad to see Wit because Eugene is one of the main character, one of the main characters on the show. He's been here. Um, of Jason and Eugene and Wit, he's been here the second longest. And mm-hmm. his connection with Wit, especially I love that the first thing Wit mentions is that Eugene has become a Christian. Yeah. I, I think that's that's great of him to bring that up. And uh Eugene is awestruck to see Wit and uh it's such an incredible relief for him because now he actually has somebody to talk to about the parchment, and he starts rattling off like, "Did you find it? What will happen? What will happen to the faith of millions when it, when it, it's if it's confirmed to be true?" And uh, Wit's saying, "Slow down, it's okay." And finally, Eugene can vent all these ideas that he's just been hiding inside of him because mm-hmm. Jason has really been someone he can talk to about with. Right. Um, but the difference is between this and Wit's and Jason's interaction is that Jason hasn't seen Wit since before a name, not a number, and there hadn't been a bunch of. He had only been one other episode with Wit, and that was the Mortal Coil, and that one wasn't even Townsend Coleman. And right. so the reunion of Jason and Wit is just like, oh, hi, Dad. It's great to see you again. Uh, whereas right. Eugene is like, which, I th- Which makes sense. Like, the, the relationship between father and son is a lot different than between, like, a friend. Like, yeah. when whenever I see my dad, even if it's been a while, it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, we can, like, carry on our relationship because we're just family. Whereas right. when it's a friend I haven't seen in forever, it's like, oh my word, you're awesome. I want you. <laughs> yeah. Also, the difference here is that Jason hadn't been really expecting Wit to come back. He just thought, okay, I'm, my dad told me to take over the shop, so I'll do it. And then whenever he comes back, oh, great, it'll be good to see him again. Eugene had been waiting and waiting for Wit to come back. And so because of that, the friend connection, the mentor connection he, he, uh, he had with him, um, his reaction is a lot, a lot bigger than that. And so Wit right. is in the elevator with Eugene. He's explaining that he'd been following Eugene and Jason around. Wit's following Charles and Alfred, who are the ones who are following Eugene and Jason. Um, so I think this means that, yes, Wit knows who is following him and is good at hiding. And uh, again, 
Wit has the upper hand here. I, I really like that Wit is on top of things in this and that he's not our main character. Eugene and Jason are. They don't know everything. And as we learn more about the episode, we realize that Wit is really, really knows everything. He's not uh, really surprised by anything except that uh, Charles and Brownlee are working together, I think. This is like mm-hmm. probably the only thing he's surprised by, but the rest he's pretty chill with. Yeah. And he, he says to Eugene, just because it's from the first century doesn't mean that it's true. The Hugh document, which I thought, yes, thank you for saying that, Wit. Finally. That, <laughs> uh, Eugene says that his Christianity is just so relatively new to him that he doesn't know how much this will affect him. And again, um, even though he would be intellectual enough or even though he would be knowledgeable enough to just think, well, hey, maybe the bones are fake. If This is also an emotional side to it. Um, be I don't know, maybe emotional or not. I don't know. That, but that makes actually, sense. Like, like yeah. emotions don't always follow logic, right? And also, he's jet lagged too. So that too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, which is also the case in the next. <laughs> Never mind. Um, if Connie so, wants to win an argument with Eugene, just fly to the Middle East and back, and don't let him sleep. <laughs> or just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking of Love is in the Air when uh, Eugene's like, I, I apologize to Connie. And Connie's like, okay, sure, I accept your apology, whatever. <laughs> so Eugene's just jet like all the time. Anyway, uh, Wit is talking about the Q parchment. He needs just a, basically a couple more hours until he has the location of the bones. And then a couple hours later, he comes back and says, okay, I figured out where they are, which is funny. <laughs> I don't know what that last piece was. <laughs> right. I just need one more piece. Oh, I found it in the back of the... Uh, right behind the hotel. Here it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he tells Eugene, your room's bugged. And then uh, he leaves, or they arrive at the seventh floor. Not the seventh floor. Below the seventh floor, because Charles is getting on. And right. It, it's like they went back to the lobby, because, like, Wit said yeah, that we'll just keep going up and down until someone gets on. And when he gets off, he says, like, this is my floor, the lobby, I think. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and... and then- Thank you, young man. You've been most gracious. Right. And, like, I'm imagining, like, if you even just, if uh, Charles just stopped and thought for a second about the situation, what would the situation be? That, like, Eugene was on the seventh floor with this man, and the guy was like, excuse me, I don't know how to use an elevator. And Eugene's like, oh, I'll show you. And then he goes all the way down to the lobby, and then he's like, okay, I'm going back (laughs) up. (laughs) <laughs> maybe i was thinking of a good cover would be eugene was on the second floor and he wanted to go up but the ele- but that doesn't work like that because you can push Wrong the up elevator it. yeah exactly i don't know charles is suspicious from the very beginning uh when he gets on let's and- not be coy you don't actually know how to use elevators do you <laughs> <laughs> Eugene's like how did you know <laughs> uh but I, I, I had one joke real quick yeah. About, mm-hmm. like, when when Wit gets off the elevator, he should, like, before he got off, he should have been like, oh, and by the way, Eugene, if I were homeless or something and I asked you for money, you would give me 74 cents? Really? That doesn't sound very Christian of you. <laughs> I love that. He's like, all right, Eugene, you might want to do some soul searching about that. Yes, sir. <laughs> You might want to think you might want to read some passages about giving <laughs> look at this verse what does it say right there and he's like oh, okay okay read it aloud read it oh no okay so um 
<laughs> Wit gets off. He's um, he's there, there's another inside joke. Read it aloud. <laughs> Read it aloud. <laughs> uh, Wit gets off. He goes back into his. This is my floor. And that voice. Uh, right. Does Charles know Wit that poorly to not recognize his voice? I don't know. Like it's generally distinct, and if you saw a weird guy got off get off the elevator making that voice, you might not think that's Paul. That's Paul Herlinger. <laughs> You'd probably be like, "That guy's weird." Yeah, and, exactly. Which is what. Hey, look, there's yeah, Eugene. I want to focus on Eugene. And I guess it's sort of a, a suspension of disbelief. Well, yeah, um, because, well, yeah, yeah, because Charles is looking for Eugene. He's been following Eugene. I think this kind of establishes that. That. Yeah. Um so Charles What was Charles's plan there. if Eugene if Eugene wasn't on the elevator? What was his plan? To just ro- ride up to the 7th floor and and knock on the door and be like, "Hello, I know you're here because I'm a creep and I'm desperate <laughs> to find John Avery Whitaker." Well, yeah, I think Were you in the bathroom basically. eating cereal? <laughs> um well, so Charles Stops the elevator again on Eugene, and I don't know what he says to Eugene, but it could have been pretty intense. What that the, that confrontation? Uh, I don't know exactly what what happened. So it could be that Charles saw Eugene get on the elevator, and then waited until he thought Eugene might have gotten off the elevator, got back on, realized, oh yeah, he's in here. Well, okay, now I can now I can get him. But if Eugene had already been in his room, he might have gone to the room, knocked on the door. Eugene comes to the door. Oh, it's Charles. Hi, I need to talk to you. Like grabs Eugene by the scruff of the neck and throws him against the wall like where's wit spikes him blows up the hotel <laughs> ouch <laughs> no, opens the window of the hotel and dangles him out of the dangles him out of it where's wit <laughs> anyway um so Eugene it narrowly escapes with his cereal and goes yes. to the restroom uh, or goes to the bathroom in the hotel room and or no he he goes back to the room. And I think he goes back to the room, there. hides behind the door, getting ready to jump Jason. <laughs> exactly. Um, so then we have a quick scene about with Jason and Tasha. I don't really have many notes for this, but you, Jason's like, oh, the elevator's taking a long time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> They're just like, what is going on? I had a, I wrote a, um, uh, a play or sort of a, uh, a little, little thing for my philosophy class a couple of years ago where the teacher had us do uh, a musical of sorts and there was a director and there was me, I was a scriptwriter, and we had this gag about the characters are in the elevator and they're talking it up. They're having a good time. Then one of the characters says, you two are going to just st- keep standing there talking. You're going to get off the elevator. And they're like, Oh, sorry. And one of them gets off and the other guy's just left with the grumpy guy. And so <laughs> they're standing in the elevator and the, the one guy's like, this elevator is taking a really long time. <laughs> because because I just needed to space out the, the time anyway. Uh, but that's funny. Jason, so Jason's staying there with Tasha. We get some interaction between Jason and Tasha, where Jason's upset at Tasha and upset at the agency. Tasha's saying, "No, this doesn't have to get in the way. We're supposed to be engaged. I mean, we're eventually going to get married, hopefully, if this works out." And Jason doesn't really know anymore. He's uh, tired of the deception of the agency and tired and from the jet lag. Also true. Jet lag aside, though, is Jason right or is Tasha right in this situation? Who would I we don't side know. With more? I sort of side with both of them in that, yeah. like, let me put it this way. If something is happening to your father, you probably have a right to seek out that information and be upset at anyone who's trying to withhold it from you. 
Mm-hmm. At the same time, yeah. if your job is to withhold information, and if you don't withhold that information, you don't get paid, then you do your job. Otherwise, Tasha has no reason to be in the Middle East. Right. And so, uh, yeah. if she's coming and trying to say, hey, Jason, I got clearance, I did things by the book, legally, to tell you information, and you're getting mad at me about it, then, mm-hmm. like, okay, well, Jason, this has been fun, but I'm going to leave, because you're not grateful for the information I'm giving you. Yeah, and that's, Jason's thing is that the lines are being blurred between Tasha and the agency, and it seems like... I think he even says that it seems like uh, Tasha is defending the agency saying, well, we had to deceive your father because of this. We had to tell him that we were trying to catch the bootleggers because of this. And Jason's saying, you don't have to keep covering up for the agency. And back in Love is in the Air, he was saying to Tasha, just leave the agency. You don't have to keep doing work for them. So now that we, we should be together or now that we're trying to start a relationship, we just leave all your projects there. They don't. They don't matter anymore. Do you, you remember that line? That yes, I about? do. Which yeah. it makes it makes sense if you look at it from that perspective. Because from Jason's perspective, he's like, okay, yeah, just go finish off your stuff, and then we'll get married. And I think that's the understanding they had. But in the next episode, he has a line where he's like, you know what bugs me? You really like this stuff, and yeah. that's yeah. why they end up like parting ways, not because of the deception like causing issues but just because they realize jason has a expectation that tasha will leave and be devoted to him and she's devoted to the agency and that's not changing Mm -hmm. and jason can see that even in a case of a personal situation where he has a vested interest in finding his dad and making sure he's all right tasha won't even uh be sympathetic to jason Mm -hmm. which she's not really here that's what that's what really pushes him over the edge. Yeah. That and and that line in the next episode, I forgot about that line. That's uh that's a good one. We'll get to that when we get there. Yes, um, we will. Jason Lee's was see you around the schoolyard. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> see you uh, around the schoolyard. And she's like, Is that is is that your best line? Really? And he's like, No, but Paul McCusker <laughs> he, wanted to get to bed before finishing the scene after finishing he, the scene, so he's like, See um, you around the schoolyard. Is that your best line? He picks up Tasha Spicer and pulls up Got it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so Jason gets up to the, the seventh floor and <laughs> so he walks I think into I the, like the I think I like this inside joke better than all of our other ones. <laughs> So he gets into the room. It's like Eugene. I have to say right now that I'm getting Eugene picks up Jason, spikes him down down the stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> like it's me, Eugene. Be quiet. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eugene says, hey, Eugene Meltzer, let's go into the bathroom. And then they go they go into the restroom. And Eugene says, I'll turn on the shower. And he flushes the toilet. <laughs> like what? Excuse me. <laughs> Apparently, in the Middle East, the shower faucet flushes the tur- to the toilet, <laughs> and that's one of the things where I'm wondering. Eugene isn't as much of a comic relief in the, this episode, but this one scene, I'm thinking, eh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> is he that inept, or he's just so excited about seeing wit, he just randomly pushes the knob, <laughs> or so excited about like the cloak and dagger stuff, he's like, I'll turn on the shower. Oh, oh. oops. <laughs> Oops. And Jason's just confused, like, Eugene, what's going on? And Eugene says, well, 
I went to eat breakfast, but the breadsticks were stale. <laughs> um, no, sorry. Uh, so he talks about finding wit, and uh, Jason's really excited that his dad's here. He's he's uh, kind of um, I don't know. He thinks it's he's he seems to be giddy about the double cross and about how Charles doesn't know what's going on, and I think he's happy that wit actually has the upper hand. I think and, it's that, and it's that, and that he actually knows what's going on for once. It's not just Jason going and being like, "Oh yeah, the car's in the parking garage," and also, wit is fine. I have everything under control. I understand everything, and now Eugene can be like, "Well, now I understand everything." Yeah, it's more a good than you, to also, Jason. Also the, the previous one where uh, Eugene was like. Oh, she thinks we're about to be invaded by insects, and this one he's like, <laughs> "I have some stuff to tell you, Jason." And Jason, like, I have okay, it under good. Th- I I love the way he delivers the line. He's like, "I have it under good authority that our room is bugged." bugged. And Jason's like, "Where?" And Jason, Eugene's like, "No, no, there aren't bugs. Bugs." And Jason's like, no. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm moving on. Ready to move on? Yes, yes. Let's move so on. scene scene twelve. Uh, Alfred Brownlee shows up. He's knocking on the door. He knocks like three or four <laughs> times in a row. I'm guessing he had been standing there for about a minute beforehand, and he's getting concerned. Like Eugene, are you in there? Oh yes, one moment. And uh, Alfred's like, "Are you okay?" Oh, I'm fine. And Eugene opens up the door. Uh, Alfred says, Wait, "Were you having a shower? Fully dressed?" And somehow, okay. Also, Alfred knows their room number. Is yeah. that unusual? It, I mean, it makes sense because. Earlier in the episode, Eugene says that he got the number, he found the note in the room, and that he and Alfred were looking for Jason or like trying okay. to figure out with them. And so it makes sense, like if he found the note, went straight down to see Jason, then Alfred might be hanging around somewhere. Okay, and might have accompanied Eugene to his room at some point. That makes sense. And then just left while Eugene said Eugene went to figure went to find Jason. Like right, and then Alfred. Okay, Jason doesn't trust Alfred. He really doesn't trust him from the very beginning of this of the scene. Right. Um, and it makes sense the moment that A, they know their room's bugged, and B, that Wit doesn't trust Charles, that it's like, okay, well, we probably just shouldn't trust anyone at this point. So, we don't well, have a reason to. Here's where... Uh, a tiny little bit of the plot. We're not trusting anyone. Okay. Tiny little bit about the plot right here is that Brownlee shows up. He asks, have you heard from your father? I've learned from my sources that neither fanatical group have him. And he was wondering if there had been any communication. And so this is confirmation that Alfred, I mean, further like hinting that Alfred knows too much and that basically he is, in communication with Charles and or Benjamin about I've learned from my sources that neither group have him, which mm-hmm. is a reference to Jason saying, you don't have him. Nobody does. And Alfred finally saying, okay, so now we can say that Wit hasn't been kidnapped. I can say that on the open. And this is the scene where Alfred tries to get information out of Eugene and Jason, not Benjamin. Right. And which is what we have been saying before. So again, I I don't know. Maybe 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 previously if Alfred had pressed like what is the message, Jason wouldn't have told told him. But uh, trust issues, I don't know, it's weird. Maybe Jason su- suspected him from the beginning. But 
in any case, Alfred shows up, he leaves, and then Jason says he didn't trust Alfred or he didn't talk to Alfred because it seemed coincidental that Alfred would show up and start asking questions about his dad as right after Eugene had talked to him. And I don't understand that line because if how would Alfred know that they had been in contact with Wit? Did he know is my question. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, actually, no, that makes sense. So let's say that Benjamin... So Benjamin has that conversation and Jason's like, you don't have my father. And they don't know what that means. And then Jason yeah. leaves and Alfred is contacted by Charles and Benjamin. Charles and Benjamin are like, hey, so we just contact we like confronted jason and he figured out the message whatever he figured out led him to believe that um we don't have his father so maybe they assume he knows where his father is and so they're like okay so alfred you ask them what they find out about uh wit because obviously jason knows where he is now right and so maybe that's when Alfred is like, okay, I'll I'll see what I can do. Well, then again, Jason does say nobody knows where Wit is because he's more clever than all of us. Right. Even but so, am... even so, that could be like nobody but me, or like I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying that Benjamin and uh, Charles do exactly like they don't necessarily have any reason to trust everything that Jason says. But yeah. they do have reason to suspect that Jason knows more than they do now. Right. And that plays into what Alfred says, saying, have you heard from your father? Right. Asking, do you know, basically, do you know where he is? Has you, have you had any conversation with him? Any contact? But the thing I have is when Jason then says, it seems coincidental that Alfred would show up right after we talked to Wit. Not, it seems coincidental that he would show up after Benjamin held me up or kidnapped me, but that after we mm. talked to Wit, and there was nobody who knew about that except for Eugene because Wit hit it well, Charles didn't see Wit, and Eugene didn't say anything in the room because he knew it was bugged. So for Alfred to just show up there saying, have you heard anything from your father? And for Jason to say, eh, it seems like a coincidence. He must have known that we met with Wit. I don't see any way that he would have known yeah. that. I'm, my guess is, like, this isn't meant to be like, Alfred actually knew that they had seen Wit, but that Alfred was playing off of the orders he got from Benjamin and Charles and yeah. ended up shooting himself in the foot because the timing was just that close to when they actually <laughs> saw Wit. <laughs> and it, it does it does really set Jason off where Eugene said, maybe we should go back into the bathroom to discuss this. No, I want everyone to hear this. We're not trusting anyone. I feel bad for Jason because he's... Yeah, that, I feel that bad for the Natasha. person in the next room over. <laughs> We're not trusting anyone. And then Doctor Trask steps out of the um the room next to him, like, "Oh, you don't want to trust me?" And and Jason's like, "Oh, hi, who are you?" And no, um, but <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he spikes no. Doctor Trask down the stairs <laughs> and falls out the hotel with the hotel exploding behind him. <laughs> Okay. Well, and that's so, the end of the episode. That's yeah. One more scene. Oh, is there one more? What's the there last scene? There is one more scene. Uh the last scene is where 
um i like the the good the music of the suspense of eugene and jason are sneaking down the the stairwell oh that's right there's the the stairwell i forgot yeah and the what must be a a rather stout cleaning lady i guess to look like wit from the (laughs) back um okay and so uh eugene runs up to the cleaning lady and thinks thinks it's mr whitaker mr whitaker so glad to see you and what's wrong with you are you crazy I should hit you with my mop. And Eugene's like, oh, I'm sorry. We shouldn't be talking here. And Jason's like, Eugene, it's a cleaning lady. And then they're walking away. And Eugene's like, and Eugene is embarrassed. So he's trying to say, well, it would have been a great disguise. Um, so then they find Wit. And um, uh, again, it's not as big a reaction for Jason to see him. And Jason says, wow, Wit, you've aged, or dad, you've aged a lot since I've seen you. And uh, Eugene says, that's his disguise, Jason. I know. Eugene. <laughs> I know. Eugene. That's that's Eugene trying to uh, get Jason back for the bugs comment. Yeah, like. <laughs> uh, so and Jason's like, uh, "No, Eugene, back off. It's okay." Uh, so <laughs> that's they cute, re- Eugene. Yeah, just don't don't say it again. He's like, "Oh, really? Yeah, okay, okay." And so they agree to meet at the bus terminal, the Egget bus terminal. Is that it? I think and, some and two, it's, it's a bus. It's a, it is a bus terminal. Oh, okay. They meet there in two hours, and Jason has kind of the cliche Odyssey line where they're finishing up the conversation. He says, "And Dad, be careful." Or uh, often it'll be, "And Mr. Whitaker, thanks," or or something like that. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? Yes. Like that yes, that, cl- that. that clincher line, and then and, is and everybody who wants cheesecake. <laughs> Okay, well, who wants cheese? So, Wit, at the end of the conversation, goes back into his voice. Thank you, young man. You've been most gracious. And why? Why? You had yeah, just been talking I will, in your normal voice. I noticed voice. that, too. I was like, <laughs> why Why do you need to do the voice in this scenario? There is no one in this stairwell except the cleaning lady. And, and you totally blew your cover in front of her. And so did Eugene. Basically saying, it's Mr. Whitaker. Uh, out loud in front of the cleaning lady. In an entire stairwell, no less. Like, someone's at the bottom of the stairwell. They're not even in the stairwell. The door's just open, and it echoes through. It's Mr. Whitaker, Whitaker, Whitaker. <laughs> and Charles is sitting, sitting there thinking, huh? And then he hears, thank you, young man. You've been most gracious. He's like, oh, no, that can't be wit, and walks off. Uh, it's no. wit. So then there's a line that the syntax of the way the line is delivered doesn't make sense, and I feel like maybe I'm too in-depth in these episodes to be picking up on tiny little things like this. But Eugene... Jason says, what say we go back to the room and form a plan of action or something like that? And Eugene says he'll be up to anything that Jason decides or he'll be up to any plan. And uh, uh, Jason says, really? Maybe we should ask the cleaning lady if if she agrees. Question, what are they asking? What would the joke be? What would they ask the cleaning lady if she agreed to? Um, Whether Jason's plan is accurate. Or whether Eugene would join Jason on his plan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I think it might be just that they said it a few, said the line a few different times, and that was the best take. But it didn't make sense syntax wise, and they hoped no one would notice. <laughs> it could also just be that, like you know, sometimes when I'm trying to make a joke at someone else's expense, it doesn't necessarily have to make sense. Like as long as the they get the mind. gist, as long as they get the gist that I'm making fun of how they're awkward around the cleaning lady. <laughs> yeah what's again to the um to the delivery or something they took the line multiple times maybe well jason does say really after eugene says i'd be happy to 
uh, go along or I'm up to anything you decide. Jason says, really? So yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to chalk it up to not just poor syntax. Nothing, nothing intended about it. So Eugene and Jason walk off. They're saying, Oh, what can we have for lunch? Maybe falafels, hummus. And then the, the cleaning lady calls in on her walkie talkie. And she was actually a, a secret. She's actually a spy. Hi, John Avery Whitaker himself. We go out. I'm, tr- I'm trying to decide, is she with the terrorists or with Tasha? Ooh. That's a good point. Let's discuss let's discuss the plot again. Can I recap the whole thing? Sure. <laughs> Alright, let's go. So part one. Wit's in the Middle East. He finds he's doing some archaeological searching with the with the background of he's trying to find something to use to draw out the bootleggers. So he's thinking about that. He's also just generally looking looking for things. Um and then he finds what appears to be the Q parchment. He examines it and it's interesting, and he doesn't want to speculate, but he may have discovered the biggest archaeological find since the Dead Sea Scrolls. He decides he's going to take it to Professor Charles, and then in the Middle East, when he finds this, somebody sneaks up behind him, leaves the message that he's gone into hiding, goes to Chicago, talks to Charles. Um, Gar- is, is it Gary? Is that his name? Gary Burkhead, yeah. Gary Burkhead's there, Charles's assistant. They're looking over the document. They see at the end, that um, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. They go bug-eyed. They, Wit gets out of there. Charles gets out of there to go find Wit because Wit's in hiding. Gary Burkhead is there. Then whoever shows up and ransacks the uh, the office I'm or the lab. I'm guessing that's um, Charles and Brownlee or their, their guys. So then Wit's in the Middle East and he is in hiding as old man person. He's got the document, and he's trying to figure out where the bones are buried. He's putting together a few clues. Charles is in the Middle East also trying to find Wit, and Brownlee is there waiting for Eugene and Jason. When Eugene and Jason get there, he realizes, okay, Wit sent them a recording. He also, um, they might know where Wit is. So then Benjamin shows up while they're at the dig, and Alfred is surprised that he's there. Benjamin shows up. Takes Jason away to the garage. They've taken my car. And then uh, he questions Jason about where is Wit? Did he send you? He sent you a message. We know that. What was on the message? Jason tells him what's on the message. Now Charles and Benjamin and Brownlee specifically know what the message is. They probably haven't deciphered it yet, but they know it means that they don't have that. Nobody has Wit. They don't know where Wit is. He's just in hiding. Um. So then the cleaning lady who is there is either with the agency or with the terrorists, as in Charles and Brownlee. If she is with the terrorists, then she heard the plan to meet them at the bus station, to meet Wade at the bus station. And that's how Charles Brown and Brownlee are able to follow, um, are able to follow uh, Wit when they get to their, the location in part three. Well, actually, that doesn't make sense, because in part three, it turns out the reason they found Wit is because they followed Eugene, and his ruse didn't uh, throw them off. Okay, then... Right? Yeah, well, then the other option is that it was Tasha, because Tasha, find out in part three, 
Tasha is the one. No, wait, let's go back to part one. So the room was bugged. Who bugged their room? I don't know. Because, one. well, so you know that in part two, well, in part, actually, in part three, it turns out that the agency bugged their bugged room the at room. that point. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they so bugged the room. My guess is that the agency bugged it both times. Which would make sense. But why well, is Tasha being no. so cagey? Actually, if... no. Because, well, it might be that, but it might also just be... Oh, I don't even know. I think it Tasha has to could be... be... Tasha could Sorry, try to, ahead. like... No, Tasha wouldn't try to let Jason know that the agency had bugged his room. Because she's working with the agency, and that's kind of... Right. That's Jason's thing. So it would have to be the bad guys who bugged the room. Right. And they know... So if they bugged the room, that means they would have had to have been in Chicago. Which means that did Charles follow them over from Chicago or was there another operative in Chicago already there to bug the room? And then Charles <laughs> is in the middle in Israel. This is this is so, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I find, I'm point. finding that I get this kind of headache also when I think about darkness before the dawn, because <laughs> Whenever you think, like, especially, like, Old Odyssey, I think that the Green Ring conspiracy mostly holds up to scrutiny, but, yeah. and that's because you're following the bad guys the entire time, but in this, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the bad guys did this, oh, the bad guys did that, and it's just meant to be, like, a suspenseful scene, but when you think about, like, what was their plan, what did they do this entire time, it doesn't make any sense. It really like, doesn't. Why did Blaggard blow up the tunnel? It doesn't make exactly. sense. Exactly! It doesn't make sense! <laughs> why did now, he blow gonna... up the tunnel because he didn't want other people to get the thing that he wasn't going to use anyway because he was on a suicide mission what and also <laughs> he's just trying to spite and... wit for buying the building several years ago yeah and like in checkmate or another chance he's talking to Bavril and Bavril's saying that the uses of the of the mineral go way beyond his application a couple episodes later, he's saying, I'm going to blow everything up. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you you didn't want to at least use that stuff that had incredible uses? You wanted to destroy it all? Like, he already got some, though. Like, they do mention that they've gotten some from the tunnel, and, like, they've got it in Beaker somewhere or something. I don't want to... <laughs> I really don't want to get into this right now. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll really rant fried. about this some other time. But, yeah, just <laughs> all that to say, like, I think in Old Odyssey, most of the evil plans... Are, do a really good job of sounding evil and mysterious and like foreboding when you're listening to the episode, but if you put everything together, it just does not make sense. Mm. We'll we'll see. Sadly. I mean, part three might make more sense when we get Maybe to it. Maybe so. Yeah. Well, Tasha does have that monologue where she talks about everything in part three. You remember that? Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll wait, also, by the way, I wanted to ask, where are you in your listening with Hannah on these episodes? Um. We. Well. So let's see. In our listening, I had to open up the app real quick to remember because we actually okay. stopped to listen to the Secret Garden audiobook. Oh, okay. Was that is um, that in the club or is that on Focus at Home? It's on Focus at Home. Yeah, I saw that. Um, well, it's we, not an audiobook; it's the dramatization, right? Oh, right. Or are right, you actually right? It's to the okay. radio theater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Um, uh, we just finished, um, Viva la Difference. Oh, okay. So you've did you just skip over these episodes, or did you actually hear? Did you listen to the search for wit part three? And you're listening. We did. We did listen oh. to the search for wit part three. 
Okay, so it's in your recent memory then, right? Yes. All right, and we will we will discuss that uh, if you, unless you have anything else to say here, Ryan. Uh, I know a lot of you have left uh, who are listening right now have left comments on these posts, and again, thank you for leaving comments. I probably won't have much time to to read them because these are. I mean, I read them. I probably won't have much time to respond to them because these are just so jam-packed reviews. Uh, thanks again for we'll, sticking through all this, Ryan. We'll have to really. speed through the next one so that we can have like a, a review section at the end of the next episode or something. Yeah, we'll a review on our reviews. That would, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll I see review that view news. <laughs> I see review review news. <laughs> thanks, Ryan. And we'll be back um, next time, hopefully, for the end of the uh, – End of all this weird plot, episode 357, The Search for Wit, part three. See you next time, Ryan. See ya. You're listening to AIO Audio News. Yeet.